Amen, ladies. Thank you so much for your ministry and music. At this time, our children ages 3 to 8 years old, you're dismissed to Children's Church. Crystal will meet you downstairs for that. You're dismissed. The rest of you, if you'll turn to Psalm 34. We're going to be finishing up our series on the ABCs of True Happiness. I titled it that because the Psalm, Psalm 34 is an acrostic psalm. Each verse begins with a letter of the Hebrew alphabet, and so follows that progression, and I kind of stole that from the Holy Spirit a little bit, uh, the uh, ABCs of true happiness, because that is what uh, David is talking about in regards to the context of his trial. Even though he got himself in this own mess, it was a trial in his life, and he was able to, as he looks back, have true, he saw that he could have had true happiness if he responded to the right way. Um, I was talking to a couple this week, um, and they were sharing this story with me. They were traveling down a, a road in between uh, two towns, and as they were traveling back, um, the wife was driving, and it was an elderly couple, and they were looking up ahead, and, and she saw something really strange, something just really odd stood out to her. And as she got closer and closer, she noticed it was a stranded vehicle. But that wasn't odd. It was actually pretty common for stranded vehicles to be on this highway every once in a while. But what was so strange is there was a young lady on the hood of the car and she had her arm up in the air. And as she got closer and closer, the wife noticed that this lady had a cell phone in her hand and she was thinking to herself, man, that young lady looks so ridiculous. There's no way she's going to get cell phone reception out here in the country. And as the elderly couple passed that stranded vehicle, they both looked to the side and they looked at each other and they started talking as they made their way down the road. That young lady, she looked a little familiar, didn't she? And they started talking to each other and they they said, it looked a lot like our granddaughter. And so they turned around, true story, turned around and uh, went to the car, returned to the car, and lo and behold, it was their granddaughter. She, she had been driving between these two towns. Her vehicle just quit, and it just happened to stop in a dead zone for cell phones. And she thought she was all by herself. No one was coming on the highway. She felt like she was abandoned all alone. No one was going to be able to help her. So in a last-ditch effort, she got up on the hood of the car trying to get a cell phone signal and trusting in her phone. True story but very common in our own lives. And we talk about, you know, uh, God making no mistakes. And we surrender and give ourselves to Him. We talked about fearing the Lord last week. But does that mean that all of my problems in life are gone? Absolutely not. God never promises that the one who fears Him, who surrenders their life to Him, is going to have a life without problems. But what David calls us to do here is to trust in the Lord to deliver us when we fall into those situations. And many times we, as Christians, we surrender to the Lord and we're wanting to follow Him and we are going to face spiritual battles. But sometimes we can rely on our own strength and we, or we can even be afraid that we're all alone in those spiritual battles. And we'll rely on our own strength and I'm sure to God we look just as ridiculous as that young lady, you know, trying to get a cell phone signal in the middle of a dead zone. No matter how high she could have gotten on, on her car, she wouldn't have gotten a signal. And uh, that's how sometimes how ridiculous we look. The, the fact is, is there are no dead zones with God. 
You know, we can call out to Him at any time. And in this psalm, David wrote several times that he called out to the Lord and he heard Him. If you look at verse 4, it says, I sought the Lord and He heard me and delivered me from all my fears. Look at verse 6, this poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. Verse 15, the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and his ears are open unto their cry. And we're going to begin our passage of Scripture in verse 17. The righteous cry, and the Lord heareth and delivereth them out of all their troubles. The fact is, as many times we hesitate to call out to the Lord and trust in Him when we're fighting our spiritual battles in life. And David looked so ridiculous there in the city of Gath as he was being chased by Saul. And in fear he fled to Gath, trying to blend in with the world. Uh, this, you know, deception didn't work, and now he was going to conform to the world and blend in with the culture. But it didn't work out. They recognized who he was. And in a last-ditch effort, he relies on his own strength and his own cunning, and he, he acts like a crazy man, clawing at the gates of the city, foaming at the mouth, and looked totally ridiculous. But that's exactly how every one of us looks when we rely on our own strength in fighting spiritual battles. Ephesians chapter 6 is a chapter about spiritual warfare, and it begins, Be strong in the Lord, verse 12, and in the power of His might. Be strong in the Lord in the power of His might. And so, as we've looked through this psalm, verses 1 through 8, you know, talking about praising the Lord in spiritual trials, we praise the goodness of the Lord, fearing the Lord in verses 9 through 16, fearing His greatness. You know, his position in our life and, and, and trust and uh, believing that we're not going to lack, that he's going to provide for our needs, but then also trusting in his power in verses 17 through 22. We must trust in the Lord. And hardship will come when you surrender to God's will. And I've kind of divided up the three uh, couplets here, verses 17 and 18, that you'll face the pressures of sin. We're going to talk about that. We get that from the word troubles. And then verses 19 and 20, you'll face the persecution of sin, talking about the afflictions of the righteous. And you'll also face the power of sin in verses 21 and 22. But you must trust in the Lord to overcome these things. You're not alone. Stop relying on your own strength. Verses 17 and 18, first of all, we need to trust in the Lord to overcome the pressures of sin. Let's, uh, let me read those out loud if you'll follow along with with me silently in your Bible. It says in verse 17, The righteous cry, and the Lord heareth, and delivereth them out of all their troubles. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart, and saveth such as of that are of a contrite spirit. It says, The Lord delivereth them out of all their troubles. And that word troubles means narrow or tightness. And many of you might be able to uh, empathize with that after your Thanksgiving dinners. Maybe your pants are a little <laughs> tight and narrow than they were before. I know that I always struggle after my Thanksgiving dinners. Um, but it's not talking about that. It's talking about narrow or tight circumstances in your life. And we know from David's situation, if you look at the, the heading of this psalm, it was a psalm that was written um, and connected with of the time in his life when he changed his behavior before Abimelech, the king of Gath, Achish, who drove him away and he departed. It was a time in David's life where 
really he made his own mess. And he's in his own mess and wanting to get out of it. And as he's looking back, he can he sees the goodness of God and has encouraged us to taste and see that the Lord is good. But he's also encouraged us to follow his example of fearing the Lord. Because as a last-ditch effort, he realized his act didn't work, and he feared the Lord, surrendered to the Lord, and trusted in Him, and he delivered him. And that's the message of the rest of this psalm, to fear the Lord and to trust in Him, even when you are in very pressing circumstances. You think about certain pressures that you face in life. Um, you know, I was shared this at the nursing home last month, that uh, one time... Uh, a couple summers ago when I was in Westminster, I went in the backyard and I was watering my yard very much like I do with the parsonage over here. Um, I have an above ground sprinkler system, a hose that just wraps around the yard to sprinklers and it's above ground. And I did the same thing in my backyard in Westminster. But that afternoon I turned it on several years ago and the hose started to expand and bulge. And I quickly went to the faucet and turned it off so that that hose would not burst. You know, inside it had been weakened, it had been stretched, I believe it had been damaged by the sun actually. Not, It had no frays or tears on the outside. But what I'm getting at is I trusted in that faucet to have the ability to overcome the pressure of the water and cut it off so that I would not, so that the hose would not explode. And the thing is, is we need to trust in the Lord to overcome the pressures of sin that we might face. And some of those pressures might be trials in our life where we're tempted and we're pressured to doubt the Word of God. The testimonies of Scripture, the promises that God has in His Word, and many times when we face trials, God's purpose is that we might be refined like gold in the fire, that the dross might be taken off and we might come forth as pure gold through those trials. But many times we're pressured to doubt God's Word. and We have to make a choice to trust in Him to overcome that pressure. But also the pressure of temptation. And ironically enough, in the New Testament, the word temptation actually can be translated trial depending on the context. Same word is used. It depends on how you respond to the temptation or trial. But temptations pressure you to forsake God. To forsake God and believe that He has abandoned you. But the Lord will faithfully help you overcome these pressures. He will draw near to you and deliver you. I wanted to share a scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 in regards to temptations. You're not alone in this. The Bible says, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful. God hasn't abandoned you. He's faithful to draw near, who will not suffer or permit you to be tempted above that you're able but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. Returning to Psalm 34, if you look at verse 18, David says, The Lord is nigh, or comes, draws near, unto them that are of a broken heart, and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. He gives victory to those that are of a contrite spirit. So this tells me as we face the pressures of sin in our life, we have to trust in the Lord with a broken heart. And what does that mean? It's uh, literally an, it's the opposite of being hard-hearted. Okay? If you're broken-hearted, you're not hard-hearted. Um, so you, are, you humble yourself before the Lord. You're open to uh, looking to Him 
and His working in your life, you humble yourself before Him. And then trusting in Him with a contrite spirit. And that is the opposite of being hard-headed. Okay? Not being hard-hearted or hard-headed. You think about a hard heart, it can't be penetrated. It can't be convicted. It can't be moved or guided out of that miry clay and that noisy pit that sometimes we find ourselves in. But also we have to have a contrite spirit, a surrendered spirit, a surrendered heart, a surrendered will to Almighty God. And these two words are used in Isaiah 57, verse 15. We serve a great God who is willing to be with us and revive our spirits. It says in Isaiah 57, verse 15, For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity. See, God is far greater than any of us. And I want you to see the love of God in this. Whose name is holy. He writes, I dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit. To revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. It doesn't matter how crushed your heart is or how hard-headed you have been. The Lord will break you and He will not abandon you. He will be with you and He will revive your spirit. This, uh, the, the, these first two verses, this couplet, drove me to a song that I'm familiar with. Maybe you haven't heard it before. But it, it goes something like this. And I, uh, I think I, I'll go ahead and just read the words to you. Make me know your presence, Lord, when I feel so alone. You know each trial and testing pain, the hurt that is unknown. Oh, why can I not see your hand so firmly guiding me? Oh, how can I untrusting be when you are very near to me? When God is near, all the world seems far away. When God is near, every fear is set aside. When God is near, how can I stray? How can I falter? I'll stay upon the altar. I know my God is near. And that is the type of trust that we have to have in the Lord when we're facing these pressures of sin. There's going to be times when we get frustrated in life. We're going to be hurt. We're going to get discouraged and we'll be afraid. But we have to believe and we have to know that our God is near. And it doesn't really make any difference if we don't know who is with us. And we don't believe and trust in the One who is with us. And so we have to trust in the Lord when we're facing the the pressures to sin. And we need to call out to Him for help. Like verse 17 And David states it as a fact. He says, The righteous call, the Lord hears, and He delivers them from all their troubles. And maybe a prayer that we need to pray is, Lord, make make me know Your presence, Lord. May You revive my spirit in this pressing and this stressful time in my life. But trusting in Him to overcome the pressures of sin. But then also trust Him to overcome the persecution of sin. In verses 19 and 20 it says, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. He keepeth all his bones, not one of them is broken. The Lord has never promised that the person who fears Him is going to live a life without suffering. But He actually promises in verse, uh, if you look at verse 19, He promises many are 
the afflictions. And the word are there is uh, supplemented. It's in italics. And so actually in the Hebrew, it's many the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth them out of them all. And the word delivereth is actually in a future tense there. And so if you make um, the verb to be future, it'd be many will the afflictions of the righteous be, but the Lord will deliver him out of them all. So it's a promise. It's a promise. That, you know what? The afflictions of the righteous are going to be, will be many. And this agrees with the Word of God. If you, uh, the word afflictions actually means, uh, the, the, um, acts of evil people. I word it this way, the adver- uh, the adversities from your adversaries. I know it's kind of a tongue twister, but that's exactly what it is. It's adversities that are caused by your adversaries. The afflictions of the righteous will be many. They're difficulties that are caused by enemies of the cross. And the fact is, is that Jesus, a, f- a fulfillment, that a prophecy that Jesus fulfilled is mentioned in these two verses, in verse 21. And I believe that's very um, purposeful, because Jesus had enemies in doing the will of God. He was hated and suffered at the hands of the world, and you should expect no less. I mean, can we say that we're greater than the Lord and we're going to live life without suffering, doing the will of God? No, we, we can't say that. And actually, Jesus promised that the world would hate us. Not that we go out and make give them reason to hate us. okay? But it says that the world will hate you as it hated me. And He warned them of that before He left. But Christians that are living for the Lord will face persecution. And Paul wrote of this and, and the fact that the Lord delivers His people from this oppression. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 11 and 12. Paul wrote to Timothy, Persecutions, afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord, but, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. And when we do face oppression, and people ridicule us, they may threaten us, they may hate us as when we live for the Lord. And that might be the case for some of you and even your family. That days like Thanksgiving, Christmas, it's hard to get together with family because they're living for other gods in this world. And they look down at you and they feel very uncomfortable around you and they don't really like being around you because of how you are serving the Lord Jesus Christ. But we need to remember that whatever they may throw at us, if they are mean-spirited and they they, um, ridicule us or they treat us unfairly, that God is able to thwart their will and able to snatch us away from the enemy. And I know that you may be thinking, and I thought this too, what about the people that have died for the name of Christ? And I'm going to address that. Did the Lord deliver them when they died? Being burned at the stake or being killed in some way? I won't go into all the different ways, but did the Lord deliver them? He did, actually. 
He delivered them from this sinful world and from the constant persecution of these people. And sometimes His deliverance means He takes them home. And I really really believe that that is not um, a contradiction to what's said here. But what did Paul testify here to Timothy? Out of all these persecutions, afflictions which came unto me, I endured them, but out of all of them, the Lord delivered me. Did he get stoned? Yeah, he was stoned. Did he get beaten? Yeah, he got beaten. But his life was spared so many times until he finally was martyred for his faith. But the Lord broke, and even if you look at Acts chapter 16, we looked at that in Sunday school, the Lord broke Paul out of jail. He broke Peter out of jail uh, when his life was threatened in the book of Acts. And they both trusted powerfully in the Lord to deliver them. But they also trusted in the Lord to powerfully care for them or keep them. And that's exactly what uh, verses 20, verse 21 is talking about. Evil, excuse me, verse 20 is getting at. He keepeth all his bones. Not one of them is broken. And I do believe that this is a prophecy that was literally fulfilled by the Lord Jesus Christ But verse 20 is a promise for you and me as well. Because it is a promise that His righteous ones, that God does care. He does take great care, exercise great care over their lives. He doesn't just check out on them when they're undergoing persecution and being assaulted for living for the Lord Jesus Christ. He doesn't just, um, it doesn't like, oh, I don't know what's going on in John's life or I don't know what's going on in this person's life. He knows exactly what's going on. And he's sovereignly in control and he's still sitting on the throne in heaven. But he demonstrated this, the Lord demonstrated this literally at the crucifixion of Jesus. And did Jesus die on the cross? Absolutely. But he did, God exercised great care even in the crucifixion of Jesus because that was the will of God. Jesus didn't come to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. And it says um, in John chapter 19 that this very verse was fulfilled. At the cross, Jesus came and He fulfilled this verse as the Passover lamb. In Exodus chapter 12, verse 41, the Passover lamb, its bones could not be broken. And Jesus, our Passover lamb, when He died on the cross, His bones were not broken. And He literally fulfilled this prophecy. It says in verse 31 of John chapter 19, the Jews therefore, because it was the preparation for the Passover, that the bodies should not remain upon the cross on the Sabbath day. For that Sabbath day was a high day. But besought, and so they besought Pilate that the legs of the criminals might be broken and that they might be taken away. Then came the soldiers and break the legs of the first criminal and of the other which was crucified with Jesus. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was dead already, they break not his legs. But one of the soldiers with a spear pierced his side, and forthwith came there out blood and water. And he that saw it bear record, and his record is true. And he knoweth that, that he saith truth, that, he might, that ye might believe. For these things were done, that the Scripture should be fulfilled. A bone of him shall not be broken. And so... Even in the crucifixion, the Lord had every detail organized and He knew what was going to happen to Jesus Himself. But did it mean that He wasn't going to be martyred 
for doing God's will. He wasn't going to be given His life as a ransom for our sins. Absolutely not. He was still going to be doing that. And it doesn't mean that our life is without difficulty. Paul wrote to the Philippians in chapter 1, verse 27, Only let your lifestyle be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. In nothing, verse 28, terrified by your adversaries, which is to them an evident token of perdition, or it condemns them, but to you of salvation, that you've been saved, and that of God. For unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on Him, but also to suffer for His sake. And I think this is where the line is drawn, and it shouldn't be drawn in the sand, but it should be drawn in a very permanent way, in stone, that you mark down that you are willing to stand for Christ and not just believe in Him only, but be willing to suffer for His sake, no matter what that is. Are you willing to trust in Him when when you might be persecuted by sinners in this world? By be, the, you might face the persecution of sin. You know, me being a first-year hunter and kind of getting into this, you've noticed that I bear some scars. Um, and I thought about this as I was contemplating on this point. But you know, after I got this scar, and Buzz Hellyer can testify to this, it was hard for me to put my head back on that stock. It really was. But you know, after that mistake, and I got hurt, I was taught how to put that stock into my the pit of my arm here so that it would my shoulder would take the brunt of that force. But you should have seen me when I went out there to shoot. I was way back here, you know, away from the scope. And Buzz can tell you, and I looked ridiculous because I wasn't willing to trust what I had been taught. I wasn't willing to trust that that stock and my shoulder going into my shoulder would take the blunt of that force and so I wouldn't be hit by that scope again. And, you know, I know it's a silly illustration, but you know what? A lot of times we fear what man can do unto us. Maybe we have been hurt. Maybe you have been ridiculed. Maybe you've been hated. Maybe you've been threatened because you have lived for the Lord Jesus Christ and you're hesitating to stand for the Lord Jesus Christ and trust in God and trust that He really cares for you and that He is going to watch over you and He's not going to allow anything to happen to you outside of His will. And you're afraid to stand up for the Lord Jesus Christ. I encourage you to trust in Him to overcome any persecution of sin that you might face. Because the Lord is near and He's powerful and He's able to deliver and completely care for you. And then last of all, trust in Him to overcome the power of sin. In verses 21 and 22, it reads, Evil shall slay the wicked, and they that hate the righteous shall be desolate. The Lord redeemeth the soul of His servants, and none of them that trust in Him shall be desolate. Uh, The Lord recompenses the sin of His enemies in verse 21. We see here that uh, Warren Wiersbe said it this way, Sin is its own executioner. And the people who live a life of sin and they live for themselves and their sinful flesh, it leads to a life of self-destruction and discontent, disappointment and ruin. And it powerfully sin powerfully destroys the wicked. Uh, the word evil that's used in verse 21 is the same word that's used for afflictions in verse 19. 
where it said, many are the affliction of the righteous, same word is used, it's just translated differently. And it's talking about the evil deeds of people against wicked people. And basically, what they have sowed, they will reap. Okay? They have, they have um, been wicked and sinful, and they're going to be treated the same by somebody else, or it's going to um, cause them to fall and self-destruct. It also powerfully condemns the wicked. Uh, David uses, uh, the King James uses a word called desolate here in verse 21. And it's not talking about poverty, but it's talking about condemnation. About being held with guilt. And no one in the commentary said this, but I noticed in the Hebrew word, if you transliterate it, it actually, from what I understand of the Hebrew language, it transliterates a shame. That's actually how it's pronounced, a shame. The Hebrew word is pronounced a shame. And I think that's exactly the idea in our English word is that you're ashamed, you're held guilty, you're incriminated by uh, the fact that sin has reigned in your mortal body and you feel guilty and you care about the shame. And of course, you're guilty before God. But verse 22, in comparison or in contrast, says the Lord redeemeth the soul of, the, of His servants. And that word redeemeth means to loosen, to set free. And I, I know we talked about redemption before. And you know, you're, you know, this slave is freed from the slave market of sin and he has a new owner and he's serving and living for him. And so it talks about ownership. But here it really emphasizes in the Old Testament the aspect of freedom. They're set free. And it says that the soul is set free, and it's that word that means your living existence, your life is set free from the power of sin and also from the penalty of sin. If you read the last half of verse 22, none of them that trust in Him shall be desolate or held guilty. They will be pardoned by God. Romans 8 verse 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. And when we trust in the Lord, He will set us free from the power of sin, from the penalty of sin. We're not talking about uh, perfection here. We're just talking about domination, that the Lord will be the one that's in control and not sin any longer. And I just want to conclude my message and have you start thinking about this. When you think about Psalm 34 and the trials that are talked about there in Psalm 34, many times when we're in those trying circumstances, we can doubt the goodness of God. We can want to take life by the throat and we want to be in control instead of fear the Lord and surrender ourselves to Him. But even when we surrender to the Lord and say, Lord, may Your way be done in my life, there's an extra step. You have to be willing to trust Him as well. And are you willing to trust Him in the spiritual battles that lie ahead? Maybe you say, Pastor, I, I really, you know, I look back on my life and I see the goodness of God. I am surrendered to Him. But my question to you, are you trusting Him for the victories in your spiritual walk as you follow Christ? Are you trusting Him to overcome the pressures of sin that you're going to face? You will face those. Are you trusting Him to overcome whatever persecution that might be um, thrown your way? Are you willing to trust in Him 
to overcome some of those habitual sins, those weights that so easily beset us? Are you trusting in the Lord and in the power of His might? With every head bowed and eyes closed, I want to challenge you to think about this message that David has written in Psalm 34. Have you tasted and seen that the Lord is good? He writes, Blessed is the man that trusteth in Him. Are you trusting in the Lord today? Is there some aspect of your life that is not surrendered and is not surrendered to the Lord where you're not relying on Him, but you've been trusting in yourself? While Christians, I want to encourage you to respond to the Lord if you need to get right with Him. 1 John 1, nine says, If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. While Christians are praying, it's possible that maybe there's someone here this morning like Madeline Lyons a year ago who hasn't trusted in Jesus for salvation. And it took a car wreck to arrest Madeline's attention on this fact that if she died that day, she was going to go to hell. Maybe you've been stiff-arming God, you've been hard-hearted, hard-headed, and you haven't trusted in His Son and His way of salvation and the fact that Jesus died on the cross for your sins. I want to encourage you to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and the Bible says you will be saved. As our instrumentalist is playing, I want to encourage you to deal with the Lord. Whatever aspect of trusting in Him you need to do, you talk to Him. If you need to be saved, you can do that right there in your seat. If you need someone to talk to you about the plan of God's plan of salvation, you can respond by coming forward and I can connect you with somebody that can take a Bible and show you what the Bible says about being saved. I encourage you Christians to pray. Are you trusting in the power of God? Sunday school class, are you trusting in His provision? For your necessities is God more than enough for you. I encourage you to respond to the message. This way, we're going to close in a word of prayer, and then afterwards we'll have our business meeting. Encourage all our members to stay. We're a little low in numbers because of the holidays, so as many of you can stay, so we can have a quorum, that'd be great. Uh, we'll meet just quickly for a business meeting, and then the group that wants to sing an ensemble meet up here after the business meeting to go over that song for Christmas. Will you join me in prayer? I'll lead us as we close. Lord, we thank you so much for who you are, and that you are tr- worthy of our trust. And Lord, it's such a blessing to know that you're near. When we're brokenhearted, when when our spirit is crushed, 
that, Lord, You draw near to us and You want to help us and deliver us from all our fears. Lord, when You are near, the world seems so far away. Lord, when You are near, we our fears are all set aside. Lord, when You are near, how can we stray? How can we falter? Lord, help us to stay resolved to serving You and being a living sacrifice of praise to You each day. Pray, Lord, that You would help us to trust in You with whatever may be thrown our way this week. Help us, Lord, to have the victory. Help us to trust in Your strength and in the power of Your might. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.